The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere we go. Oh, yes, it is. Hello to our dope village and welcome to Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Foudy alongside Lynn Olzawi. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Jules. Happy December. Happy December. Do you know what that means? That means it's the last month of 2020, baby. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, 2020. Bye-bye. We did it. Almost. Almost. I don't know about you, but I have this feeling of wanting to finish off the year strong. I'm there with you. We're going to finish it strong, I believe. We've got this. We've got this dope village. In this together until the end. Another reason to be excited for December, you ask? Well, our guest is wheelchair racing superstar Tatiana McFadden. And her story is remarkable. Tatiana was born in Russia with spina bifida, which left her paralyzed from the waist down. She spent the first six years of her life in a Russian orphanage and didn't have access to even a wheelchair. So she learned to walk literally on her hands to move around. And then at the age of six, Tatiana was adopted and came to the United States where she was quickly introduced to sports, including wheelchair racing. Fast forward now to today, Tatiana has won 16 Summer Paralympic medals. And in 2014, she returned to her home country of Russia to compete in the Sochi Winter Paralympics in cross-country skiing and ended up winning a silver medal in a sport she had never done. Why? Because she's Tatiana McFadden. Tatiana has also won 24 major marathon titles. In 2013, she became the first person, able-bodied or disabled, to win all four major marathon titles in the same year. So that's Boston, London, Chicago, and New York marathons. And get this, she's done that major marathon sweep four times. And I'm not even done yet. She recently co-produced and starred in a documentary about the Paralympics called Rising Phoenix, which you should definitely check out on Netflix because it's phenomenal. So get comfortable listening. It's Tatiana McFadden. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives. And truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, ally, Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Kick 
Thank you for doing this, Tatiana. When your mom replied, I was like, yay. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Momager. Is that what she calls herself? She is literally my momager. Like we travel together all the time for marathons because she just handles everything while I can train, rest, recover, eat. And then she does all of the like everything that they need for the marathon weekend. So I'm like, you're the momager. You're the Chris Jenner of the McFadden family. <laughs> okay. The first thing we always do, Tatiana, is we have you set the scene. Can you set the scene of where you are, what you're doing, etc.? I am in Florida training for Tokyo 2021. Whoop, whoop. So I'm in the heat. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into Paralympics and all that fun stuff, can you take us all the way back to your childhood in Russia, please. Yes. So I did not have a typical childhood. I grew up in St. Petersburg, Russia, with spina bifida. So that's where you have a hole in your back and your spinal column sticks out. Usually you need surgery immediately after birth, but for me, that wasn't the case. I was operated 21 days later after my birth. So it was practically a miracle that I survived through those conditions. Mm. Um, Shortly after that, my birth mom did not have the needs to take care of me because it was in the time of Russia in 89, it was the fall of communism. So everything was changing. And so she thought, you know, in hopes for me to have a better life, she put me in an orphanage. I was orphanage number 13. They're all numbered. They're not labeled anything specific. And I lived there for the first six years of my life. No wheelchair rebel, no doctor's appointment. So I scooted around the floor. I knew my legs didn't work. Um, I just didn't know, you know, why. Um, And the sixth year changed my life when my mom happened to walk through the door. Um, At the time she was working, um, well, two jobs. She was working one for um, under the, the president administration for disability rights. And then she also ran her own adoption agency as well. So she was there just purely on a work trip, just trying to place kids into American families. And we met and um, life changed forever at that moment. I knew it was my mom and I went around telling everyone, all the orphanage directors, like the kids, like that's my mom, like I'm going to be adopted. When your mom arrived at six years old, what was it about that meeting that made you know this was going to be your mom? I think like you just, when you know, you know, it's kind of like finding your love. (laughs) Like when you know, you know. (laughs) I just felt so comfortable very like open. Like I wasn't really like scared. And what did she say to you? Did she know in that moment as well? Uh, she knew more like when she went home that well to the hotel that night, like she's like, I couldn't get you off like my mind. Mm-hmm. So she brought like, she brought lollipops. They're called chubas, like chuba chuba. So like it's a means like lollipop. And so I just grabbed the bag from her and I gave out like little lollipops to all the kids um, in, in, in the orphanage. 
And um, I was like, yeah, like, I like this lady. She brings like good candy. Um, (laughs) Nice to everyone. She brings candy. What else do you need in life? (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, I just felt very comfortable, very open. Like I just, I don't know, like I couldn't, couldn't describe that. What are your memories that you can recall of when you first got to the United States? Well, a lot of first things happened. I had several surgeries because my legs were atrophied behind my back. Um, And that was just due to, I mean, I didn't have any surgery since birth. So I straightened out my legs so I can sit in a wheelchair, lay down on the bed. And um, then I went to school for the first time. They told my parents that I was really sick and that I was very, very anemic. And, you know, like the first six years of your life is like the most crucial time, right? So they said, well, like developmentally, like we don't know like how far she'll make it. She'll live just like an average life. Like she may hold a job. She may not hold a job. And then how soon after you got to the United States were you introduced to sports in the Paris Sports Club? So I actually did swimming first. I had swim lessons, like pretty much as soon as I came to the U.S. because, um, you know, I think my parents are, I mean, they were definitely worried about, you know, drowning and I didn't know any English or anything like that. So um, at like when I came at like six and a half, it was swim lessons first. And Julie was my swim teacher and my mom called everybody and she learned that her mistake was, oh, I have a disabled child came to teach her to swim. And they said, like, they hung up right away. So then she came up with a very good alternative that was like, so, like, can you teach anybody? And Julie was like, yeah, like, I can teach anybody. And she was like, even, like, if, you know, they, like, can't, are not very good with their lower half. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and so my mom's like, perfect, we'll sign up for some swim classes. And so um, when we got there, she had, like, Julie saw me and she was like, I can't teach her. And my mom's like, listen, like I will pay upfront three swim classes for you. Like, can you just like teach her how to swim? So I had swim lessons first. Julie was great. We love Julie. Isn't it amazing though, that the first reaction when she sees you is, oh, I can't do this. Right. Yeah, like I think she was like nervous, and then my mom was like, "No, no, it's easy. Just like what you do with all the other kids. Just like do do it with her." What I find incredible is your mom. She sounds like I don't. Is it a bulldog? (laughs) Is that the word to use? Tenacious. Just won't give up. Yeah, she's definitely um, like a tenacious and loving, um, loving parent for sure. And I mean, with her background and her story, my mom was actually paralyzed from the neck down when she was in college um she got gambray and so like she knew what it was like to go through school as a disabled person so she couldn't like use her arms to write or anything so she's gone through her own like legal battles in the state of maryland where the university of maryland wouldn't graduate her because she couldn't handwrite her exam so like she learned very quickly how to be her own like advocate i mean she worked with the ADA at the time she was in college. Uh, she's, she's the perfect advocate. Right. I was just going to say, you like have to have an advocate, right. Uh, in, in terms of someone that understands how to navigate all that. And just like the language to your point, like you can't say it this way or people will be like, yo, no, I can't do that. You know, you know, you're good. Actually, I'm going to show you why you're good. (laughs) I'm going to lead you to the well. 
With the Para Sports Club, when were you introduced then to wheelchair racing? So I, I think I started about seven. So like within that year, like I tried everything. So like basketball and tennis and ice hockey um, and even track. So that's when I was introduced into it. With your exposure to all of these sports, what was it about wheelchair racing that you liked? I think I just liked like the, just like trying to get like stronger at it, like myself and just like learning little technicalities, like how to change a tire, like how to change my compensator so I could go around the track, how to edge corners quicker, how to edge straightaways a little bit better. I like the technicality of it and I like the problem solving. How interesting. I would have thought for sure you would have said, I love the speed. I love flying. I did like, I did like the speed definitely. Um, especially on the track. And I think I liked, like, I didn't hear anybody. Like it was just the wind through my ears and it felt Mm. like I had no worries in the world. Like it was just awesome. You were like in your own zone. Mm. So you're wheelchair racing, you're wheelchair racing at the Paralympics, but you can't wheelchair race in high school. (laughs) This is the crazy thing in Maryland. (laughs) I I mean, what was that all about? That's a good question. Um, (laughs) What was that all about, Tatiana? Who knows? How does that happen? Yeah, that's a good question. I always wondered myself, even to this day, how it all happened. Um, but it did. And I remember just coming back and I just, all I wanted to do was join the high school track team. I didn't want to do any other club, right? I just wanted to make friends. Like I just wanted to be quote unquote, like a normal high schooler, even though like no one's normal at that time. <laughs> and like nobody, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, like track it is. And um, like you had to have like good grades to be on it. Like you need to be like on the on roll and you just had to show up. Right. So that those are like the only two requirements. Well, I wasn't like allowed to practice at the same time. And I wasn't given, um, a uniform for the track meets. I wasn't even allowed to go and like participate at those track meets. So, um, my mom had to call the school system to convince them, like, can you just like give her a uniform, like mm. just give her a uniform. And after like fighting for like hours on the phone, they were just like, whatever, sure. <laughs> um, so I received a uniform and I remember going to one of the in-county meets um, in Howard County and they stopped the entire track meet. I was the only female wheelchair racer and then had me go around and then I was done. So basically like almost like an exhibition. Wait, yeah, on your, right. on your own, you just go on your own around the, yeah. the track. Yeah. One lap on my own, like around the track. And then if I wanted to do another event, like the 800 or 15, it would be the same thing. I would be on my own. And if they could add those, like if they had time, right. So, um, that was, I was like, okay, well now I just feel like a pity part. Like, I just felt like this is a feel good thing for everybody. And I was like, no, like, it's not really a feel good thing. Like for me. So I thought, well, we need to like do something. Like I was like, what can we do? And at the time I was like, well, I do have a voice. Like I'm a silver and bronze medalist. Like from the, I'm Paralympics. My, from the Paralympics, I'm going to use my voice for the good. And so 
We've sued against Maryland, uh, sorry, Howard County, Maryland, and then it became federal by the time I was in college um, with the Obama administration. And what is the law exactly? The sports and fitness equity law, aka Tatiana's law, that they can't discriminate any person with a disability. So that means like physical or intellectual to participate in high school sports. And they have to provide resources for that student so they can be involved in high school sports. Otherwise funding will be taken away from their school. We're in the 21st century. You can't just like discriminate like that. Fast forward to now, four Paralympics later, 17 (laughs) Paralympic medals, seven of those gold. You have world records in every track event. Is that still the case? 100 Uh, meter, 400 meter, 800 meter, 1500 meter, 5,000 meter. It's not the case. Well, I have, I still hold the world record for the one and the four, and I still have the course record for New York, but some of those are broken. So I got to get those back. (laughs) You got to get them back. (laughs) I got to get them back. (laughs) 16 medals in the summer Paralympics and one silver medal from the Paralympic Winter Games in cross-country skiing. And this one yes. is one that I we got to hear more about, Tatiana, because, I mean, my where do you get the courage to go, I, you know, oh, hey, I'm just going to pick up another sport in a totally different, you know, Paralympics and see how it goes. Yeah, my, uh, that's, yeah, my craziness. Yeah. <laughs> So when I found out that the games are going to be in Sochi, I was like, this is so cool. And I was like thinking every possible way I could be part of it. So I was like, well, do I commentate for like NBC or like, do I be an athlete? Like what sport will I do if I'm an athlete? Like I was just like making like this like checklist and I was like, forget it. Like I'm going to be an athlete. Like I was like, cross country skiing. It is basically anything to get back to Russia. That was your mindset. Yeah. Because it was always a dream of mine to like have the possibility of having my like birth family and my adoptive family in one place. So I was like, cross country skiing. Like I told my mom and uh, so I was like so excited. And so I went into her office cause she's like my momager. And I was like, <laughs> okay like listen I was like I have such a really good idea and she was like oh god no knowing your mom she's like yeah that's that sounds like a great idea let's go yeah but this one she was like a little nervous because like sometimes my ideas are like just absurd but she just goes along with it and so I was just like okay, like, I really want to go to Sochi. And she was like, okay, like, um, that would be great. We'll contact like NBC, like you'll go like as a commentator, like whatever sport you want to commentate. I was like, no, no, no. Like I'm going to go as an athlete. I was like, I'm going to go as a cross country skier because I was like, mom, like I do marathons for a living. Like I have the endurance and the strength, like how hard would it be like to freaking learn technique right like she was just like okay it's just like well why do you want to and I was like well I was like I kind of want to go back as like a positive like story like a positive story of adoption like um and so she was like okay and later on I was like well I want to like bring my birth family and the orphanage director um and she was like okay and so like 
I, I brought them, um, like with my like marathon wins because they didn't have, they don't have the financial needs to like do that. So, but anyway, to get to even to go to the games, you have to do like so many world cups mm-hmm. to like get points and you have to like have certain placements to get points. And I was so bad. It was the hardest thing I've ever done to learn the technique. And I thought I was, no, I wasn't going to make it. People really questioned my abilities and really believed that I shouldn't be there. Oftentimes like laughed like at like my results. You go from not knowing the sport, never competing in cross country skiing, <laughs> never competing in a winter Olympics to a silver medal. And I just saw the video in rising Phoenix of that race. It was so close too. I didn't know it was that close to gold. Yeah, it was very close to gold. I mean, once I knew I made the team, I was like so emotional, like so happy, like balling because I knew like my family was just going to be there. And I was like, what a fulfilling experience. So winning that silver was like the cherry on top. Mm. Like it was amazing. What was it like to have your birth mother there? at the race, everyone together. It was the most fulfilling experience. I remember just, so you ski out to go to the starting line. And so they had like an American flag and a Russian flag. Mm. My two moms were there. My birth mom was there. So I like, I have like three moms and like my organist director was there. Did your birth mom say anything to you after the race? She was so proud. Like everyone was like in tears. So like happy, happy tears, joy. Just the fact that you had the courage and the bravery to say, I'm going to carry on with this is something that blows my mind and in moving over to that winter sport. And you actually penned a tweet where it says, when people learn about my life, they often comment on how brave I must have been growing up in an orphanage, being adopted and living life in a wheelchair. But for me, my brave was an act of acceptance, accepting myself as I am. Yes, it's so true. I get that, like, because I get that a lot. Like, people are like, oh, you're so brave for doing this and that. But, like, for me, I'm like, well, one, it's my reality. Two, I love what I do. And three, like, sports has allowed me to accept everything about me. That's, yeah, I just wanted to, like, get that energy out there. So, like, (laughs) people, when they find me, that's the first thing they'll see is, like, that pin tweet. And I think like the rest of my bio and my tweets and my Instagram and my Facebook are in a wheelchair, but who cares? Right. <laughs> um, because sometimes you, you get funny comments that are like, it's so great to see you out today. You mm. know, like when you're at the airport, just like <laughs> funny things that you're like, well, I wonder if they would say that to anybody else. So I'm like, it's great to see you too now today. <laughs> Just because you're like, like, you're like uh, yeah, weirdo. Great to see you so, too. But it makes them like, but it makes them like rethink their like statement. They're like, oh, <laughs> I guess. You don't, want, you don't need anyone feeling sorry for you is what you're saying. Yeah, like, it's just like, it's just the way it is. Like, you know, like shit happens and it's just the way it is. What would you say to someone who is struggling with self-acceptance? Um, I think, you know, one, um, surround yourself with like really great people. So like my, um, 
like my parents are fantastic like I have a great friends group it's not like a large you know friends group but it's a really close one you know where you can like call them at any hours of the night and they will pick up and be there no matter what um and get involved with something that like makes you happy so like sports makes me very happy and I'm and I'm good at it and um you learn a lot about yourself and um you I think you learn you learn about problem solving and um a bunch of other things and you get yourself really emerged in a community of people who are just like you and like that have the same common interests. That's why like I love marathon weekend because maybe a little bit more so than like well, maybe equally to the Olympics and the Paralympics, because like you find like such a common group of people that mm-hmm. like have really great stories and journeys of how they like started racing. And it's not just about being fast. They like have a journey through it. Right. So mm-hmm. um, it's like my favorite kind of weekend. Um, and it's a community. It's a community of people just like you, like everyone likes to run freakishly long and do 26.2 miles. So it's fun. <laughs> What's next on your list to conquer? Because you will conquer it. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Tokyo, definitely, hopefully next year. Um, marathons, I want to get back up top. Well, since you don't have the Olympics and Paralympics yet, it's still around the yeah. corner. To fill that competitive void, we are going to play one of our games our closing segments. We have three closing segments we do, and it is called the Lynn game, Tatiana. Oh no, am I going to know all this stuff? We'll find out. We will find out. It's not, I will be the winner. And I will gladly celebrate. <laughs> do I you have mine. a noisemaker down there in Florida? Explain what you've got there. It looks like a candle, perhaps. I have my Christmas candle from Target <laughs> and my lighter. I know, it's on the clapping. Oh, that's actually a good one. <laughs> Stand by. I forgot my, um, my donut is not here. Sorry. One second. Okay. Yeah. These candles are five bucks at Target and they smell like divine. I'm sad to report the donut is missing. So as you can see, Tatiana, I'm not all together today. Um, it's okay. but it's okay. I have a really good replacement. I have a Vuvuzela <laughs> from South Africa. Love it. I'm wow. going to use. Okay, got it. Yep. I had to get my, you have to, it's, it's very important with Vuvuzelas that you do a oh. technique. If you ever have the chance of playing a Vuvuzela. I will. I'll have to go to, where'd you go? Africa? South Africa. You only have to go to, South, to, go to South Africa to get one. Okay, I'm ready. The finer, finer points of the Vuvuzela. Here is the game. It's a trivia game. There are five questions. They are all multiple choice. Now, here's the thing. If you think you know the answer at any point in the question, you can chime in, make a noise to answer it. So it's okay. best of five. The theme of this game is Battle of the Dog Lovers. Tatiana, oh. you are a big time dog lover. And then Julie, we know Swaggy, who on occasion likes to join the podcast. So all of these questions are about dogs. Okay, good. Question one. According to the AKC, what is the most popular breed of dog in the United States? 
Is it A, a golden doodle? <laughs> Swaggy on cue, seriously. That's my girl. B, a German shepherd, or C, a Labrador retriever? <laughs> I think Julie got in there first. Yes, ah! I did. Okay. Labrador retriever. Correct. C. Yes! Oh! Question two. What is the fastest breed of dog? Is it A, a greyhound, B, a German spitz, or C, a Dalmatian? Tatiana. Greyhound. Correct. All tied up, one to one. Question three. Through what part of the body do dogs sweat? Is it A, Julie? Mouth, panting. Incorrect. Tatiana, here are your choices. A, paws, B, the ears, or C, the eyes? Oh, what? It's either the ears or the paws. That is I'm correct. I'm going to go with the ears. That is incorrect. It's paws. Oh, and you oh. gave the answer. Pause. I gave, half. I gave, I gave oh. a 50-50 shot. <laughs> I think we're still at one, I, one okay. question four. Like one of them. Yeah. Okay. What kind of dog is the cartoon character Snoopy? Is it a Cocker Spaniel B a Beagle or C a Boston Terrier? Tatiana. Is it C? Incorrect. B oh. Beagle. Uh, <laughs> Correct. Beagle? Yeah. It does not look like a beagle. I never thought about that, honestly. Okay, Long two years. to one. Julie's up. <gasps> Question five. What nope. was the hey, name wait, of the- wait, wait, time out, time out. No pressure, Tatiana, but if I get this one, I win. <laughs> Such a trash talker. Number five. What was the name of U.S. President Barack Obama's Portuguese water dog? Oh. A, Sparky, B, Sammy, or C, Bo? <laughs> Julie. Bo! Correct. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it was Bo. Ah! Oh. <laughs> Congratulations, Julie. That was really nice of you. You're very gracious. I am not so gracious when I lose, Tatiana. I like these dog questions, though. Okay, most pressing questions, Tatiana. You were on Project Runway. Please tell us about that. It was an awesome, awesome experience. Um, it was great to work with the fashion industry on about adaptability and fashion. So I think it was the first time in history that they've had Olympians and Paralympians on. And um, they actually got, they were actually nominated for an award for that, um, for, for their show. So it was really, really cool to work with Nancy. Nancy has a great story. She um, started her career over at the age of 65 to become mm-hmm. a fashion designer. Yeah. So I love Nancy. I felt like we got along so well because of just like how hard we've had to work in our careers to get to where we are. Um, and then people doubted her about her being in the top, you know, five. So, um, and I love the dress that she's designed. And she told me that it reshaped her entire career when she met me on how she wanted to design clothes for the future. Aww. Fantastic. Another area you're impacting. Good Lord. (laughs) I love fashion. So I was like, I'm ready for it. 
You have raced all around the world. What is your favorite city? I loved Athens because, well, I love like the architecture, but I like Tokyo because I like the culture and I love the food. Mm. So very cool. Sushi is like my favorite. Like mm -hmm. I can eat it every day and I'm happy. Happy as a clam. <laughs> Uh, what is your record number of pull-ups you have ever done? That's a good question. I haven't done like max in a while. I would say like it's over 25. Oh. Cray, cray. Okay, our last segment, high, low, cheer. We do this around the dinner table with my kids. They're high of the day, they're low of the day, someone they cheer for. But for you, oh. it's your high oh of your career your low of your career and someone that you're grateful for is your cheer. Okay. My high of my career was, well, that's a tough one. Um, I guess my high of my career was definitely winning the silver in Sochi and winning golds in Rio. My low of my career was missing, um, being on the podium in Beijing in the 100 meters where I was supposed to be the golden girl and I was supposed to win it. Um, I am grateful for friends and family. Well, we are grateful for you, my friend, and all that you've done and will continue to do. Incredible. Thank you. Thanks for having me, you guys. I've known Tatiana for a long time now, thanks to the Women's Sports Foundation. And every time I talk to her, I find myself just grinning from ear to ear because her story is so incredible. And to her, she's just like, yeah, that's, this is me. <laughs> no big deal. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, Lynn, takeaways for you. That kind of leads into my takeaway because I admire how Tatiana set a big old goal in Sochi and went for it. And that seems par for the course of how she operates. It also mm. is yet another example on this podcast of a woman not taking the easy route, going after an impossible dream, and then achieving it. Tatiana literally could have gone to the Sochi Paralympics as an NBC broadcaster. And instead, she chose to compete in a sport she'd never done before and ends up winning a medal. Yeah, when she said I went to my mom, right? And her mom was like, yeah, well, we'll, we'll contact NBC and see if you can commentate. And she's like, nope, that's not what I was thinking, mom. Right. And speaking of her mom, I loved how her mom, Deb, was a perfect example. And I think about this as a parent a lot of modeling behavior, a perfect example of how to get something done and reframing the situation. So she quickly realized when Tatiana was young that she was saying it the wrong way, right? When she was asking, could you train my daughter who's disabled? And she just needed to approach the situation in a different way. And so that importance of modeling that behavior to a child, because then Tatiana thinks differently about it. And you can see how she has that same type of reframing in her life. And she just 
goes with the flow. I mean, everything she does is like, well, why not? It's never why. It's, well, why not? And even as her Twitter bio says, I'm in a wheelchair, but who cares? Love yourself for who you are. And that's what she does perfectly. So, so clap for Mom Deb and for Tatiana. Yeah. Amen to that. Now, are you ready for questions permitted? Yes, ma'am. Hit me up. What we got? This question comes from at Kate in the hat. She has asked a question before, but this question was so good that she is our first repeat customer in questions permitted. <laughs> and it falls in line with what we were saying in the open of the episode. So here's the question. It's officially the last month of the year. Looking back, what would you tell your 2019 self about 2020? <laughs> That is so good. Kate in the hat. Uh, okay, wait. Say it again. What would I... What would you tell your 2019 self... <laughs> about 2020. About 2020. <laughs> I mean, how many days do we have for this? I had an initial response after reading that question. <laughs> what was it? No comment. Oh my gosh, where to even start? Well, I would say, Julie, ask yourself, how much time do you want with your kids before they drive you crazy? Huh? Uh, Julie, imagine life without school and them going to it. Okay. It'd be like, you know how you've always talked about how you wanted to spend the summer at home with your kids? <laughs> yeah. And not travel at all. Do you remember when you said you were tired of getting on an airplane? <laughs> Do you want to rethink that for 2020? Oh, oh gosh. Oh, my goodness. I think I would tell myself, put a seatbelt on. <laughs> Buckle up, sister. <laughs> it's going to get wild. There will be, someday I will, I think we'll say this, there will be some silver linings in all of this. I'm just not sure what the hell those are right now at this moment in December of 2020. Get back to me on that. Well, I have learned some of the deepest cut life lessons this year. So what would I tell my 2019 self about 2020? It's going to get really tough at times, but also that you're going to make it through. So I am serious when I say, I want to finish this month strong, this year strong. I'm putting it out there. Let's manifest it. Do I ever want to relive 2020? Absolutely not. I do hope, let's say my 2021 self can look back at this time. And like you said, the silver linings just shine through. Yeah, I'm never going to ask to be teleported back to 2020. That's for sure. No, there is no need for us to do this again. Let's, let's be clear. All right, that does it for us. Thank you so much for listening. You can help us out by heading to our Apple podcast page to rate, subscribe, and yes, leave a comment. We love hearing from our dope village. And you can also hit us up on Twitter and Instagram, which reminds me, Lynn, where where are you with your Twitter followers count? I know we, we passed, I believe, last season the like thousand, one thousand threshold, which was big. That was a big moment. What are we at now? I'll tell you what, I will check right now on my profile. Drum roll, oh, please. Come on. Don't pretend like you don't know what you're at. Oh, let me go check. 
I currently have 2,023 followers on Twitter. You passed the 2,000 mark. I'm so proud. Thank Yay. you. Yay. Nice. That's the dope village. That's right. I want to also remind everyone during the holiday chaos to find a moment in your day to do something calming and good for you. Something good for your soul. Don't forget that. And then while you're at it, maybe think about that impossible dream as Lynn was talking about that you'd like to go after. For me, that's only eating half a donut. I think it could actually happen one day. I'm optimistic. That would be the ultimate impossible dream for you. I'm optimistic I can get there. Before we go, thank you to our sponsors, Ally Bank and Dick Sporting Goods. Be sure to support them as well. And as always, a big thanks to Kate Diaz, a Julie Foudy Sports Leadership Academy alum, for our theme music. And remember, kids, as always, sing it with us. Laughter permitted. The donut is missing. Hey there, Dope Village. I wanted to remind you about the best NFL podcast around, The Mina Kimes Show, featuring Lenny. Every week, the brilliant Mina Kimes tackles the biggest NFL topics with precise analysis and, of course, signature wit. You can find The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, that's her dog, by the way, wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out.